Last week we started a, a new series called Kingdom Reign, and, um, and, and if you missed it, we were able to record it. It is on our website and our podcast at, at this present time. And, um, but um, today I wanna, we're going to kind of continue uh, what we're talking about here. And, and looking at this, this idea, you know, we talked about last week, we talked about the kingdom of God, how the kingdom of God works and how the kingdom of God operates. And of course, we didn't talk about all the things about the kingdom of God because there's just a lot of things that, that we could talk about. I mean, Jesus, you know, on multiple times all throughout scripture, he said the kingdom of God can be compared to, and then he would tell the story. And, it would, and what he's basically doing is, is teaching us, he's trying to teach you how the laws of the kingdom of God work so that you can know how to live in them, okay? You know how the laws in America work, and because you know how the laws in America work, you can live in them, okay? Well, if we're going to live inside the kingdom of God and receive the blessing and, 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 and all the things that are involved in the kingdom of God, well, we have to know how the kingdom of God works, okay? And that's one of the things that Jesus is trying to tell us. He's trying to teach the believers, like, look, this is what God's kingdom looks like. This is what it's going to look like in your life. This is what it's going to, and you know, these are the things that it involves. And so there's many, many different things. And, and, and of course, we're not really going to cover all of those things, nor all of those things today. But, you know, whenever you look, you can do a study, Okay, open up the Bible and go through the Gospels. And every time Jesus said the kingdom of God, he, he's trying to teach us something about the kingdom of God that's different than, than what's happening here on this earth. And, and so, you know, it's something to pay attention to and understand. All right. But um, Jesus said this. He said, when you pray, pray that uh, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, Jesus was wanting the kingdom of God to come here to this earth. And uh, you see, the kingdom of God is not some futuristic, far-off thing that we will one day get to. The kingdom of God is now, okay? God's kingdom is for now. And that's the reason why Jesus said to pray that the kingdom of God, the will of God, would happen here on this earth the same way it happens in heaven. The same way God's kingdom, God's rule, God's power and authority happen in heaven... He's saying to pray that that would happen here on this earth. And that's one of the, the, the great things that we have to understand about the significance of what Jesus did was that he came to bring heaven to earth, not so much to, to somehow get you by so you can get to heaven. And while that is a part of his redemptive plan for us so that we can spend eternity with him, one of the great things was is that he wanted to bring the kingdom of God here to this earth. And we saw that the way that Jesus lived, okay, was bringing the kingdom of God here to this earth. And he even said, the, the, the job, my, my goal is to dispel the works of darkness. All right? And so when we look at Jesus, one of the things that we see in Jesus is that we see the most normal Christian that has ever lived. Jesus is the most normal Christian that has ever lived. Okay? If, if normal is def- as a Christian is defined as any other way than Jesus, okay, then your normal is not what, what the Bible says a normal Christian is. All right? Jesus is the most normal Christian that ever lived, and there's a lot we can learn from him. Hey, Romans says, when it talks about the kingdom of God, Romans says the kingdom of God is not about theological debate. It's not about eating and drinking, but it is about righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Okay, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. In other words, right standing with God, okay, being in a right place with God has to do with your spirit, man. Okay, peace, okay, has to do with your mind, the inner part of who you are, and that has to do with your soul, 
And joy is, 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 has to do with your body, okay? Your flesh. The righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. In other words, God wants to meet you at every level that you are. And I don't know if, if you've heard this, this, this expression before, okay? But you are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body, okay? You are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body, okay? Jesus wants to meet you at every place, okay? He wants to meet you at every place, okay? And that's what the kingdom of God is here for. And so today I want us to look a little bit more, um, a little bit more of a, a practical uh, level in how, how do we go about seeing the kingdom of God come to us here in this life, right here right now. How do we go about when, when Jesus said that we're to pray that the kingdom of God would come here to this earth, okay? How do we do that? What does it look like to see the kingdom of God come? And I know that, we, you know, we looked a little bit last week and how, you know, um, uh, you know, Jesus, you know, told the story about the strong man, when a strong man, uh, you know, has his house fortified, you know, he has, is dependent upon his strength and his power. But when somebody stronger comes in, okay, he, he, he removes him from the house and plunders everything that he has, okay. And, and he was explaining to us how the kingdom of God works, that, that the enemy, okay, creates strongholds, develops strongholds here on this earth, develops strongholds in our lives, develops things in our lives that we have to deal with, okay. But God is always greater. God is always po- more powerful. And he is stronger than anything that the enemy has to offer, okay? And so when he comes in, when the kingdom of God comes and it meets spiritual forces of darkness, it overpowers that, removes it, okay, and brings freedom, deliverance, whatever it is, okay, that is that is a part of being prayed for in that particular moment, okay? And so I want us to look at a more practical way that the kingdom of God becomes a reality us to us in our everyday Life. Um, You know, there are things that we can do. There are things that we can do in our spiritual ignorance that God will bless for a season, but he eventually expects us to grow. Okay. There are times in your lives where God will bless you in your ignorance and doing something that maybe is not completely, you know, correct or accurate according to what Jesus teaches us, only because we're ignorant. But God expects you to grow over, over, over a certain period of time. And so what we do oftentimes is we see God working or God doing something, and, and because God did it, then we start doing it the exact same way every time. We think, well, hey, if I, um, you know, if I, if I cross my legs and I throw this arm up in the air and I sing this song, then the presence of God will come because that's the way it happened last time. All right. And so we create this idea. Uh, thank you. We create this idea of what, what God, uh, what God is going to look like and how God is going to do it and, and what it's going to look like when he does it. And sometimes when we do these things, we do these things and they're not completely, um, they're not completely, um, how to say, uh, accurate according to what God teaches us to do. All right. So God will bless us in our ignorance Okay, and then there comes a time and and God will become silent and we'll think, well, where is God and why isn't God blessing me when I'm doing it this way? And it worked when I did it like this before. Why isn't it working now? Where is God now? I've done it like this. It worked before. And, and, And maybe God is kind of stepping back and saying, hey, well, that's not really what I've taught you to do. Yes, in your ignorance. I allowed you to do it, and I bless you in that, and I spoke to you in the middle of that, but that's not really, that's not really what I want you 
to do. I want you to learn how to do it the way I've taught you to do it. So we can't create, you know, our theology based upon our experience. Okay? Can't create theology based upon your personal experience. Uh, because oftentimes our personal experience doesn't really match up with good theology. And I know that's, that's kind of one of the frustrating things. I, I expressed this um, uh, several weeks ago. Is one of the frustrating things for me. And, and there, at some level there's got to be a disconnect. When I see uh, a difference between what I am experiencing and a difference between what I see in God's Word. Like at some level there's, there's a... There's got to rise up within you a frustration of where's the disconnect. Because I trust God's word completely. That it is 100% accurate and true. And yet for whatever reason, I'm not seeing it in my life. And there's got to be a disconnect somewhere on my end. Alright? And so, that's the reason why you can't create theology based upon experience. We create theology based upon God's word. What does God's word have to say about what I believe? All right. And so, you know, when we create theology based upon experience, that's how religion is created. When we base theology based upon, you know, a, a certain set of standards or a certain set of emotions. And, and oftentimes this happens sometimes in, 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 you know, revivals, you know, of old and past. You know, some of the great denominations that are even here in our country today began with such fire and passion and such pure, uh, pure, uh, you know, sincere attitudes and hearts concerning the things that God had told them to do. But then what they did is they took all of that and they created this, this, this form and they created this shell and they said, well, this is the way that we're going to do it forever. And now that they find themselves in a place where there's no fire anymore involved in the denomination, they become worldly, they're accepting worldly practices and worldly thoughts and, and worldly philosophies inside of their church and inside of their denomination because they've lost what it was that began the very move in the first place because they said, well, this is the way God moves and God is just going to put him in this box and we're going to keep him here forever. And God's like, I'm not, not, not going to be in a box. Okay? Okay, if, if you want me, you, you're going to have to come find me. And just because you found me this way this time doesn't mean that you're going to find me that way every time. You know, sometimes you, you've got to look a little bit harder in different places because he's not going to be in the same place. You've got you to look because he, he wants you to chase him. He wants you to seek. The Bible says seek him with all of your heart and you will find him. If you seek him with all your heart, you'll find him. So it's a, it's a pursuit that we have to pursue the presence of God and to seek Him. It's not, there's, not really, there's not really a destination until we get to heaven. You understand that, right? I mean, you, it's, not, it's not the, oh, I, today I found Him and that's it. That's it. No, God, every day is a new day. Yesterday, what you had yesterday is not good enough for you today. It's every day pursuing Him and seeking Him, and chasing after Him, and wanting something more than what you had before. You know, um, and so, so, you know, we're looking at this, and we're, what is the kingdom of God? You know, John the Baptist said, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. 
what is the kingdom of God? Jesus, John the Baptist said, repent for the kingdom of God. And, of course, he was referring to Jesus. And Jesus' life is an example um, of what the kingdom of God looks like when it comes to this earth. All right? And so, you know, God always wins. We said this earlier. God always wins, okay, when he comes up against the kingdom of darkness. He always wins. God is not, up, uh, you know, the victory, not, we, we've talked, the victory that Jesus won for us on the cross was not a victory for God. God is not wringing his hands like, oh, my gosh, what am I going to do with this devil? He's growing more and more powerful every day, and I don't know what to do. Okay? He's, not, he's not worried about the devil. The, matter of fact, the scripture says that God could wipe the devil out with one breath from his mouth. Okay? He didn't even have to try. Okay? The victory that Jesus won for us was a victory for man. Okay? It was a victory for you, okay? for us, for, for our redemption, for us to enter into the kingdom of God and the blessings of God and the favor of God, all of those kinds of things. It was a victory that Jesus won for us. Okay? And so, you know, this is it. And so he was, um, you know, we see this. You know, God, God will always win when it comes uh, in conflict with the enemy. However, God will allow you to remain in the place that you desire to remain in. Okay? Even though God has all the victory, okay, and the place where God is is far above all spirit, you know, spiritual rulers of power, forces, darkness, and heavenly places, all of those kinds. Okay? God is above all of that. He will allow you to remain in the place that you want to remain in. Okay? He, he just will. Um, if there are things that are part of the kingdom of God that you have no desire to have in your life, then God will allow you to live like that. Okay? If there are things that are part of the kingdom of God that you just refuse to believe that are part of the kingdom of God, then God will allow you to live like that. He, he will. I mean, in the truth be known... Okay, uh, if you if you really want to live in sin, God will let you live in sin. Okay, I mean you understand that, right? God will God will let you live in whatever you want to live in. Okay, if you want to live in okay just barely getting by mentality, God will let you live there. Okay, you want to live in sin. Okay, you want to live in debauchery. You want to do the wrong thing. God will let you live there too. Now you may suffer the consequences of living there, but God will allow you. He'll let you do it. Because you have the ability and the freedom to choose to do the things that you want to do. All right? And to believe the things that you want to believe. And there are people inside the church all the time that, that, that don't believe things that are in the word of God for us to have, for us to believe. And that's fine. Does it mean you're not going to heaven? No, not really. Okay? It just means that you may be missing out on something that God wants you to have. Okay? That you may be missing out on the fullness of everything that God wants for you. And God's like, well, hey, I don't really understand that. But I'm going to let you live there until at some point it becomes a part of a revelation that we begin to see what belongs to us in Christ. And then as a result of that revelation, we begin to step out of faith and live in what it is that belongs to us. So just because God will let you live in it doesn't mean that it signifies that God's best for you, but it shows that God will allow you to do what you want. And so the question is that I would like to ask you today is that what is it that you want? What do you want? Have you ever, you ever thought about that? What do you want? And uh, I know that I want to make sure I'm going to try to communicate this as clearly as possible. I don't want to get somewhere where, where maybe you think I might be going because I'm not. 
But when we're talking about the kingdom of God, what is it that you want? Um, we know this. Jesus said this. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish. And it'll be given to you. Right? Okay. All right. Well, the, the key there, of course, is if you remain in me and my words remain in you. Why? Because that... that because when we remain in the vine, okay, our cares and concerns become about the vine, become about, you know, who the king is. In other words, we're more concerned about the kingdom of God than we are about our own personal desires and, and, and things that we want. Okay, when, when we are in the presence of God and we remain in the presence of God and our heart is connected with our, our Heavenly Father, okay, then the, then the desires that we have will change because we'll start desiring the things that God desires. When we start desiring the things that God desires, okay, then Jesus says, ask whatever you want and it will be given to you. Okay? Ask whatever you want and it'll be given to you. So we could say this, that if your desire lines up with the word of God, okay, then you can ask for whatever you want and it'll be given to you, right? Or is that just a cool verse that we know is there, but somehow... Maybe our experience doesn't line up with our theology and we're like, well, I don't know. Um, what do you want? Do you, do you even know what you want? Um, you know, sometimes in my life, I find it extremely hard for me to decide what I want. Anybody ever? I, sometimes I feel like I have an identity crisis just coming up to a vending machine with Cokes. Like what I, Dr. Pepper Mountain Dew, Coke, Pepsi, uh, 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 right? No, you ever, you ever, you ever want to, you, are you one of these people that in the fast food line, you wait till you get up to the menu and then you're like, oh gosh, uh, and you sit there 15 minutes and then like the, the whole definition of fast food just went out the window because everybody else is having to wait behind you in line. And it's like, man, I could have gone to Cracker Barrel and eaten faster than this. Okay. Sometimes it's not really our fault. Sometimes it's their fault, you know, but, um, you, you, you want, you want those, right? You, you ever, you ever have those moments where you don't really know and you're trying to decide and you're kind of like, ah, just, you know, just surprise me. You know, you ever tell somebody surprise me? I hate that. I hate, I hate, I hate, I don't, I don't, I don't guess I don't mind it if somebody surprised me. I hate it when somebody asks me to do something that surprised me. I'm like, that surprise me. What does, it, what does that mean? <laughs> surprise me. What if I get the wrong surprise? You know, it's like, uh, it's just, that usually doesn't end good. Um, I don't know. I don't know why. It just is. I, but I find myself in that position oftentimes where I, I, I don't really know what it is that I want. You know, I, want, I just want something to drink. I, you give me too many options. You know, I mean, hey, I mean, really, if, it's, if I walk up to a Coke machine, it's Coke, Diet Coke, it's easy. I'm not drinking Diet Coke. That's nasty stuff, man. Come on. You know, who drinks that? Oh, never mind. I just... <laughs> I, you know, I mean, if it was something like that, well, that's easy, you know, I mean, when it's like, you know, but, but sometimes, man, I, I don't know if sometimes I'll find myself where, 
and you know when it's when it's you know just multiple good options it's just I just I don't really know what to do and I find myself just like ah uh, and I you know but the, the truth is is this though um if I stand before a vending machine okay and never decide what I want then truth be known is I'll never get anything right if I never make a decision I'll never get anything um but the moment that I decide what I want is the moment that I get something. Okay? The moment I make a decision is the moment I get something. Um, and sometimes we pray to God the same way. Um, we don't really know what we want. Um, therefore, we never really specifically ask for anything. We're just like, well, God knows. <laughs> Surprise me. You know? I, you know, God knows, you know, I mean, you know, that scripture, God knows what you need before you ask, you know, you, you know, Jesus actually said that right before he told them how to pray and where he said, your kingdom come, your will be done. And in and, and, and reality, the, the truth is, is that, yeah, yeah, God does know what you need before you ask, but there's something interesting about the way the kingdom of God works is that God wants you to ask, even though he knows he still wants you to ask. And so, you know, we could sit back and say, well, God knows what I need. Or I don't really know what I want. I kind of have an idea. I just want to be blessed. You know, just God, just I just want to be blessed. I was like, OK, what does that look like to you? What does what, is, what is being blessed look like? What does what does favor look like? What, what kind of needs that you have in your life, what does that, what does that look like? You know, do we know what it looks like? Have we defined those things in our lives? A guy by the name of um, Mark Batterson, he, um, in, in a book called The Circle Maker, and a really good book, and there's some things that... Um, yeah, I really encourage you to read, but it says the more faith you have, the more specific your prayers will be. All right. And the more specific your prayers are, the more glory God receives. And when we pray general prayers, how do we know that God is actually answering general prayers? Because we don't ever really know when the prayer is answered because it's so general. And then God never really gets the glory. You know, in, in, in Mark chapter 11, I love this, this verse. It's one of my favorites. Mark eleven twenty three and 24, it says, Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believe that what he says is going to happen, it will be granted him. Therefore I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them, and they will be granted you. Um. A couple of things. There's a, there's a lot. I mean, you know, we could we could I could spend a whole sermon series just on this particular verse. So we're not going to get into all of that today. But there is something that I want to I want I a couple of things that I want to point out here in this particular passage. And and one is that we see a specific thing that Jesus is telling them. If you say to the mountain, "Go throw yourself in the sea," in other words, there is something specific that Jesus is telling them to do. Okay, it isn't like if you pray to the mountain, move, if you pray to, no, he's, anybody ever heard that song before? Yeah, I didn't know. 
Anybody? Did, okay, you know what? I, I sing these songs all the time in church, and nobody raises their hand. What did y'all do? Grow up in church singing Kumbaya, my Lord, you know, your entire life? Was it I love you, Lord? Is that the only Christian song that you know before you came here or something? I mean, what is going on here? I mean, my goodness. It's like shout to the Lord, right? Shout to the Lord. All the, right, yeah. That's an old human video we used to do back in the day. Anybody, have you ever heard Shout to the Lord? Okay, there's a couple of you. I just about to say, we're going to really, we need to pray hard for some people up in here. You never heard Shout to the Lord. <laughs> just kidding. But uh, he tells them, he says, hey, if you will say to the mountain to be, you know, to throw yourself in the sea, Okay. In other words, there's something specific that, that he's saying that this person or whoever it is is asking for. Okay. There's something specific. In other words, you're saying to this specific mountain to be thrown out in that specific sea. There's something specific that he's telling them that there's a specific prayer that you are saying that you are asking for. Okay? And it's not something that it's just like a meditation. Well, let's see if I get it in my mind. I know what it is right here, but we never communicate it to God. Well, then we miss part of it too, because Jesus is saying that whatever you ask for, not whatever you think of. Okay? Now, whatever you get in your mind, like, wow, God, it would be really cool if God did this for me, but then we never pray and we never ask. And we never ask for that specific thing. But he says, therefore, I say to you, all things for which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them and they will be granted to you that you pray and ask. Um, you know, the, the probably the biggest thing here is this inner struggle on this this particular passage in general is uh, and, and I've dealt with this many times. What if I pray for it and it doesn't happen? What if I say it out loud where everybody can be here? You know, right? Because Jesus is saying, you know, if you say to that mountain, well, hey, that's that's pretty bold, right? I mean, we're all kind of hanging out together as disciples or whatever, and I I just out of nowhere, I'm just mountain go. I'm really putting myself out on the line right now. Right? I mean, right? I mean, am I right or am I right? Okay. It's yeah, you're, you're kind of putting yourself out there because you're putting out yourself out there with something that is very specific and very big. And, is, and, and the fear inside of us is like, well, what if something doesn't happen? Okay. And, uh, and that, that's a hard one to deal with internally. And it really puts a lot of hesitation inside of us to really ask specifically for God for some things. And so we, again, pray generally, because if we pray generally, then we kind of got a cop out. Like, well, I didn't really ask anyways, or maybe, maybe it's not the Lord. Maybe, I don't know. You know, David, everybody ever heard of David Young Guy Cho? David Cho is a pastor in Seoul, Korea, where the largest church in the world. Uh, he's not actually a pastor anymore. Uh, their lar- largest church in the world, they, they have this, this hill at their church that's called Prayer Mountain, and they have these like holes that are dug in the ground where people go up to the hill, uh, and they get in these holes, and they will spend, spend hours, sometimes days, 
in, in these holes praying. And they literally said from miles away, you can hear people praying on this mountain because there's hundreds of thousands of people that, are, uh, that go to this church. Um, and, and literally, now imagine this, literally, you can actually, it, you can only go to the actual church service, I think, once every two weeks. And you're given a card, okay, to what service you can actually go to. <laughs> uh, and it's like color coordinator or n- numeric, okay, because they have so many people in their church, they can't just, they can't leave it up to whoever comes when, because they can't facilitate it. So they have to tell people when they can and cannot come to church. <laughs> and, and then, of course, most of their church is facilitated through small groups and stuff like that, where they have literally thousands of pastors on staff. And, and most of them are just lay pastors that, that, that teach small groups and stuff like that. But they have this, this thing called Prayer Mountain where, they, where these people, they will go and pray for hours. On the, and literally from miles away, you can hear the people praying. And they say it sounds like bees, just this humming sound. From miles away, you can hear these people praying on this mountain. It's, it's phenomenal. All right. He, he, said, he made this statement one time. He says, God does not answer vague prayers. God does not answer vague prayers. He tells a story uh, of one time where he was asking God uh, when he was uh, early in ministry as a pastor and trying to make an impact. He had nothing. And uh, he was asking God for a desk uh, and a bicycle so that he could... Uh, he could travel and visit people so that he could do some work on them. He could travel around and, um, and, uh, and visit people house to house on a bicycle. How many believe God would want him to have a desk and a bicycle? Come on. I mean, he's not asking for a Ferrari, you know, and a, a three-story building office suite, okay? Um, just, just a desk and a bicycle. And he, he said, I, I prayed for several months for a desk and a bicycle. Just God, give me a desk and a bicycle. And he said one day when he was praying and he was in the middle of fasting, he said, God, he said, God began to speak to him. And he says, um, do you know how many different desks are out there in this world? Do you know how many bicycles are out there in this world? I mean, what do you want? Tell me what you want. He said God wanted him to pray a specific prayer. So he figured out exactly what he wanted. He wanted this color bicycle with he wanted it to be a. Um, an American bicycle with um, um, the gears, so you can do a 10-speed. Uh, I want an American bicycle, 10-speed, this color. Desk, I want it to be like this, this size, whatever. He said within, within weeks, he got exactly what he prayed for. Okay? Um, praying specific prayers. Do you know what you want? Do you know what you want? Mark, Mark chapter 20, verse 29. <clears throat> it says, And they were, they were leaving Jericho. A large crowd followed him. And two blind men sitting by the road, hearing that Jesus was passing by, cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. The crowd, Robert, if you'll come. The crowd <clears throat> sternly told them to be quiet. But they cried out all the more, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. And Jesus stopped and called them and said, What do you want? me to do for you they said to him lord we want our eyes to be opened moved with compassion jesus touched their eyes and immediately they regained their sight and followed him um it's interesting here because you would think jesus was walking down the road okay and two guys walking around like this crying you know jesus have mercy on us you would think that jesus would know exactly what they want right wouldn't jesus 
I mean, come on, Jesus, two guys, man. You, you can't tell what's going on here. Like, see, Jesus somewhere. Jesus, you know, I hear you. You're out there somewhere. Please have mercy on me. I mean, come on, Jesus. You, you know, I, you're a smart dude, you know. You know, right? What, I, you know what they want. But what did Jesus make them do? He made them verbalize exactly what they wanted. What is it that you want me to do for you? What is it you want me to do for you? And so they said, we want our eyes to be open. And he said he was moved with compassion and he touched their eyes and immediately their eyes were opened. He made them spell it out. But it wasn't because Jesus didn't know what he wanted. He wanted to make sure, he wanted to make sure that they knew exactly what they wanted. He wanted to make sure that they knew what it is that they wanted. He made him get past the vague, have mercy on me. Because they were already crying, have mercy on me, have mercy on me, be gracious towards me, do something for me, Jesus. Help me out here, Jesus. Help me, help me, help me. Jesus wanted them to know exactly what it is that you want me to do for you. Spell it out. Tell me, tell me something specific that you want me to do for you. And they said, we want our eyes to be open. And and then Jesus was moved with compassion and touched them on their eyes. And immediately they regained their sight. What if Jesus was to ask you the same question? What is it that you want? What do you want me to do for you? Have you ever considered that question? Have you ever considered the question that Jesus could ask you? What do you want me to do for you? Would you be able to spell out the promises the miracles, the dreams that God places in your heart, would you be able to spell it out? Would they, would God know what it is that you want? You see, if we can't answer this question, then we are as blind spiritually as these blind men were physically. If we can't spell it out, what it is that we want, we can't specifically pray. God, this is what I want in my life. This is what I want you to do in my marriage, in my kids, in my job, my finances, in my body, with my dreams. Maybe God's given you dreams. What is it that you want him to do for those dreams? Can you spell it out? Can you write it out? Is it specific enough that when it happens, when it happens, you'll say, that is exactly, exactly what I asked for. And you'll know at that moment who gets the glory. That it won't just happen because of chance or because of weird circumstances. But you'll have and you'll be able to look at that and say, man, this is exactly, exactly how I asked for it. This is exactly what I asked for from God. Can you write it out? Can you put it out there and, and pray for it moment after moment, day after day, that specific, specific thing? You see, if faith, if faith is being sure of what we hope for, then being unsure of what we hope for is the exact opposite of faith, right? Right? 
if faith is being sure of what it is that you want, then the exact opposite of that is to not be sure. To not be sure of what you want. Mark Batterson says again in, in his book, he says, the more faith you have, the more specific your prayers will be. And the more specific your prayers are, the more glory God receives. Do you know what it is that you want? When we're talking about the kingdom of God, kingdom reign, the kingdom of God, what is in the kingdom of God that is not a part of our life? What is in the kingdom of heaven that is not a part of our life? What is a part of the will of God that is not a part of our life? What can we look at and we can see in those things and we can define and say, God, these are some specifics. Can we do that? When we talk about the kingdom of God, Jesus saying, pray that the kingdom of God will come here on earth as it is in heaven. Do we know specifically what we're praying for? Do we know specifically what we're asking for? Are we just kind of like meandering around, wandering around, just generally hoping that God does something for us? that somehow looks like the kingdom of God? Or do we know specifically what it looks like when the kingdom of God shows up in our house? Do we know specifically what the kingdom of God looks like when it shows up in, in, in my life, in your job, in, in your finances, in everything that you do? Do you know what it looks like? Because if you don't know what it looks like, you may not even know when it shows up. And if you don't know when it shows up, how are you going to give God glory for it? And how are you even going to know that, that is, that's what it is? Well, would you stand to your feet today?